You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. In this world of turmoil, you're struggling to find energetic balance, and you panic because your spirituality is not where you desire it to be. Yet creating a powerful foundation of empowerment is what you know you can achieve. Hi, I am Martin Neal Campbell, author of the book Receiving the Gift We Give, which is available on Amazon eBooks and my website, receivingthegiftwegive.com. I invite you to uncover your power and greatly expand your energies by embracing your divine self. Sovereign Self is about individual empowerment and freedom. In exploring this sovereign self, our discussions will encompass self-love, oneness, and diverse spiritual understandings as life is a journey of expansion which never ends. Join author Martin Neil Campbell, trainer and business facilitator Karen Murphy, and spiritual archaeologist Ron Mayer as their discussions help lead their listeners into an ever-expanding journey of peace, love, joy, and freedom to become who you desire and be your sovereign self. Welcome to Sovereign Self. I am your host, Martin Neil Campbell, and your two absolutely wondrous, fantastic, and glorious co-hosts on the program are Ron Mayer and Karen Murphy. Say hello, guys. Yeah, hello, everybody. Welcome, lo- lovely listeners. Yes, and they are lovely, aren't they? They are. Well, on this program of Sovereign Self, we've decided to indulge ourselves. <laughs> we've been going many, many weeks, well, 38 or so in total, where we've been covering off various topics, expressions of love, and the energy changes. And last week it was love. This week, we're just going to let it all out. We're just going to let it flow. Whatever topic comes up, whatever we want to talk about, it will be brought up and talked about. So it's a fun program for us. I hope you don't mind, folks, but we decided to have fun this time. Not that we don't, <laughs> but this time it's a, it's a free-for-all fun. <laughs> so that, unlike usual, is the very, very short introduction to the program. Who wants to go first? And I think... Karen, you volunteered wrong. I did, because I love him so much. <laughs> well, there is something that, that caused me some concern the other day. It's these world meditations that take place, especially for disintegrating hurricane strengths, where I am seeing a lot of people what I've been doing is I've been going to various websites that offer, you know, this is our medit- form of our meditation for the world meditation when we're trying to disengage such and such, uh, you know, and add healing light to something. And more often than not, what I'm finding, and this, and, and this is not a judgment because what they are doing is appropriate. And what it is that they are doing is that they're always focusing on the positive things. For instance, Hurricane Hardy that we had. There was a world meditation with regards to dissipating the strength of that particular hurricane. And they were meditating on a regular basis. And when I went and read a lot of their meditations, they were always positively oriented meditations. And I found some of the responses from these people were disheartening in that they had expected more from their meditation, even though it was somewhat successful, although Harvey did dump quite a lot of water. But in what, in one sense, it, it could very well have been worse. 
But where I'm at right now with regards to the emotional healing that I'm going through, I had a completely different take on this, guys. When I was looking at the fury of this hurricane heading towards the United States, I personally thought if I want to assist in the healing, overall healing, where in myself am I feeling fury? And I'm going to go home and I'm going to start ranting and raving and trying to get in touch with with those emotions, the fury that I'm feeling, whatever that is, whatever it triggers, because the, the ideas behind what's creating the fury are completely unknown at this point, because rage and fury, they're the hardest things to actually embrace when you're when you're trying to embrace your emotional healing. I was looking at that and thinking to myself, if more people were actually set on trying to find what triggers their fury, releasing it, expressing that in the sense that, as I've always said, that you're, when you're expressing your emotion, the aim is to heal. The aim is acceptance of it in order to discharge the emotional trigger. And that discharging of that emotional trigger, in my understanding then, would assist in discharging the fury of the hurricane. But this is not something that is generally understood or recognized. Now, whether or not you do it during the meditation, which I probably would assume would not be the most appropriate time, but just prior to the meditation, if you can get in touch with the fury, with the rage, which would mimic what you're witnessing in the hurricane, when it comes time to the actual meditation, you'll be that much more powerful. Mm -hmm. There is certainly a line of thought, and it makes sense to me too, that all of these hurricanes and all these events, the earthquakes, the hurricanes, whatever's going on, is mm -hmm. a reflection of what is going on in humanity. As and a general Mother role. Earth's reaction to our energy, denied? what needs to be cleaned, yeah, what needs yeah. to be denied, and, and what needs to be cleaned out, that these are events that are assisting to do that. But mm -hmm. if you do have balance in your divine will. And as it says, you will find that these events will not be as necessary. That's correct. That's correct. That's my feeling as well. Mm -hmm. You know, from my thought process, when I think about the meditations, I, I'm not sure, whilst, truth be told, if I was living in one of those places that was hit, I'm not sure I would be so comfortable saying this. And yet, in my heart of hearts, I still believe it to be true. So I'm going to reach out there and say, yes, I would. And that is my meditation would be more around awareness, more about help our communities to feel more awareness, to be more awakened. <laughs> and that, to me, in my, my thought process would be if we all as a universe become more awakened – Mm -hmm. Mother Earth will have less reason to pull us into balance. Well, she's all she's trying to do is balance what we're trying to deny balancing. Right. Yep. So, to me, the meditation is about us mm -hmm. and our thought process and our mindfulness and our awakening and our journey. Not about, hey, stop the hurricane, stop mm. the tornado, don't let people die, don't let this happen, don't. No. To me, it's about let our people see what is going on. Let them awaken. Let us become more aware. Let us become more mindful. 
let us be more in sync with what we need to do because mm-hmm. we're getting slapped upside the head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, you know what? Praying and or saying, oh, good gracious. And I'm sure there's a lot of people saying, oh, how could God let this happen? <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, good gracious. <laughs> God is not making this happen. No. He's, hoping that you're, he's hoping that you're going to be able to change it. <laughs> exactly. We are at the helm. Mm-hmm. So that would be my meditation. Yeah, it's interesting that both ends are true, and yet, on the same hand, there's nothing wrong with sending blessings and enlightened oh, love for to sure, people. For sure, for so sure, for sure. You can do all three. Yes. And yet, the, the first two, the clearing out the emotional body and bringing energies on this earth back into balance, and what you're asking for, Karen, are essentially the same thing. Yes. Is bring awareness so you can go there doesn't stop you from sending blessings and love at the same time. Completely agree. But some people try and put out the energy, and I've seen it where they try and stop the hurricane because it's a wrong thing. No, it's not the wrong thing. No, I know, and that's what I was just about to say. I I don't believe that is the right way to come at it. No. And again, it's if you want to see change outside yourself, you have to change inside yourself Mm -hmm. first. That's the only way that external change will happen. Now, let me just clarify when I say, no, that's not the right thing. It's not the right thing either, or I don't know if it's right or wrong. I, I don't like those terms, but it's not beholding to us to have people injured, killed. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that's right mm-hmm. at all, but I am saying that we are the creators of this, mm-hmm. so we need to take stock of that. Mm-hmm. Can I dig a bit deeper on that? Yes. Sure. Everyone creates a reality and everyone goes through what they need to go through until they move into balance and then yes. create their own reality. So on one level, which might not be I know where you're popular going. at this point, is are the people who were injured or killed or had things destroyed not the creators of their own reality in that sense? And that something they may have needed to go through to understand? And not only that, Martin, but we have no idea. We are currently in an ascension cycle. Mm -hmm. So some people will actually recognize that their physical bodies will not be able to go through a stargate through the ascension process. So their best hope at this point is to actually catch what's called a bardo wave, and that is letting the body die in order to complete their ascension in spirit rather than in the physical body. We have no idea what is the purpose of these people dying, whether or not there was a spiritual intent behind it, which could very well have said this person is ascending, albeit without their body, but they are ascending. Yeah, and I think the key point there for a lot of people is, of course, when people lose someone close to them, they will go through turmoil and grief and miss them, and it was a shock because it happened suddenly, and that is all very real. But if we're all creators. But, but yeah, well, also, we don't die. We right. change form. As you say, Ron, we put on a different coat. Mm-hmm. So don't look on people as not existing anymore. Look on them as though they've transformed elsewhere. But yes, mm-hmm. you will miss them. Yes, you have them every day in your life and you will miss that. But that's not the same as people moving into, oh, they died. How horrible. Well, no. <laughs> that part and is we horrible. don't and we don't and we don't get to pick <laughs> life's 
we don't get to pick an individual life's purpose or their no. spirit or their soul. Yeah. And Martin, as you mentioned that, it, it took me right back to probably about five, six years ago when I listened to uh, a guest speaker at a forum. And he was the father of the first young girl killed at Columbine. I remember the story and, and I, I knew nothing about it. How, how oblivious, love, light and clueless, Ron. Um, <laughs> I had no idea. And I listened to this man talking at the podium and I, I researched it later. And this was probably almost 10 years ago. And I was so overwhelmed with love, which we talked about last week and a sense of purpose for this young girl and how what she did was so loving, so heartfelt, but it, it moved people. Yeah. It moved her father to be up speaking and be an advocate. Sorry, her Karen, brother. It's, yes. Can you just give a little history on what she did? Because I know it. Oh. But- Ooh. And correct me if I get the details wrong. Mm-hmm. This young girl, I, I believe she was either 14 or 16. And she was sitting in the courtyard when the shooter came in. And she was shot through her backpack. And she was the first one killed. And then the shooter went into the school. And within the school, there was a, a, a several lockdowns. And her brother was actually in the school. And his best friend was beside him. And the shooter actually shot his best friend. And his best friend died beside him. And in the days that went on and in, in her father's speech, as he speaks... Both the father and the son now, who would be in his late teens at the time, they were both going around the world talking about, and and very heartfelt, her goal, what she had to offer and what her purpose was here on in this space and time. And her father talked about the fact that when she was a very young girl, she would often tell her cousins that she was not meant to live in this space and time a very long time. And she was really quite okay with that. She had a purpose in her head. Well, she didn't share the actual purpose. She knew her evolution in this space and time. And it came to fruition when she passed on. And there was a, and I I might get this wrong, Martin, so correct me if I've got this incorrectly. But this girl did some drawings and so on and so forth. And several months later, the father got a phone call from just a stranger and it was probably a weird call and he you know kind of presented himself and said i know it's kind of weird but i'm wondering if there's anything i think it was a floral picture at the time it does this mean anything to you because i'm having dreams about your daughter and the father said well no i i don't know because it's all still in forensics we have no access to it i have no idea what you're talking about and he said there's just some deep meaning to this like she had a greater purpose and i, I can't the, the gentleman said i i know it's kind of weird but i don't know what this quite means but i felt compelled to reach out and call you well fast forward months later when the when the court case was done her backpack was returned to the father And within her backpack was the identical picture that this complete stranger from a continent away had spoke of. And that just, I don't know if anybody else is feeling this, but I feel chills just the same way as I did the first time I heard it. And that to me is spirit at its best. That is living out our soul purpose. And I believe that 
her father and her whole family take solace in understanding that she had a greater purpose, whatever that is. I mean, 10 years later, I'm telling the story. And yet, honestly, folks, I was alive and well and aware of the shooting in Columbine. Did it hit me in the heart? No, probably not. I thought it's happening over there. Happening Mm -hmm. over there. Yes. And yet I was compelled to be it. And I had just started a new job. And I was the first week there and no one wanted to go to this session. And we didn't even know who the guest speaker was, but it was some for some other reason. But this this gentleman happened to be the guest speaker. This is not by coincidence, folks. This is sheer synchronicity that I was meant to listen to this. And it propelled me into researching it, looking at it. And this resonates with me to this day. And while I may have the de- some of the details incorrect, the thought process and the heart process behind it is very real. And when Ron and Martin talk about us living on and just our encasings may be gone, but we still live on, I believe this in this young girl. She had a purpose. She she raised her brother, raised her father to a higher height where they are now bringing awareness to other people. You know, the the amazing thing was, if it hadn't been for how that young girl was, would they have been able to do it with love in their hearts or with malice? And when we talked last week about love Mm -hmm. and that whole love eliciting emotion, I think this is a true testament to that. It, it rose up higher, and, and they, they reached so many millions of people and probably continue to do so today. And it was just one of those stories that just has always just rested with me. We can think about the horror stories, but I think of that, and I think, wow, I don't look at it as a tragedy. Well, I look at it as a pawn. It must have been very difficult, as I'm sure it was, for her family to lose her in this space and time. I think they honored her in so many glorious ways. And she just was like a butterfly, just bursting out all over the universe through her brother and father speaking. And I think, wow, what a gift you've given to us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And love is its own reward in this case. I've often, even with that, with, with Donald Walsh, I, I remember the one statement he had with regards to death and the fact that it was absolutely meaningless, save the meaning that you give it. So if we are right. to give purpose to someone passing, the only way I know how to do that is by processing the emotions that come up in order to expand my capacity to love. Yes. That is the gift to me that he's given when somebody precious in my life dies and leaves an empty hole for me to process. And if you don't process, you will be forever searching for the purpose and understanding of that. And I look at it as a gift, not in the moment, because yes, you're right. I'm human as all of us are. And when you lose a loved one close to you, there's anger, there's resentment, there's Mm -hmm. fear, there's loss, Mm -hmm. there's sadness, there's all of those emotions are all very, very real. Mm -hmm. That's the gift that Mm -hmm. she's giving. Yes. If you have the courage to process it, if you have the courage to look at it, this is where the gift will lie. You know, it's interesting going back to love and telling people about how much you truly appreciate them. And it's telling them how valued they are in many Mm -hmm. ways and how connected you are to them. 
that when you tell people openly and honestly and authentically from your heart of how much they are valued and how much you are connected to them, friends, family members, what have you, and if you do that on a regular basis, I have found that their passing does not hold much in the way of anger or any of that. Or the processing of the... Yes. Yes. I find a lot of people are angry, and you hear it in movies, and I know it's a trite statement. I never had a chance to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like, well, you have to, all your life. And saying goodbye isn't really saying goodbye. Saying goodbye is telling them how much you love them, because when they say goodbye, that's what they want to say. But why didn't you say it all of your life? Why didn't you say it every day if you felt it? Exactly. If you do that, you will get to that point and you'll go, it's all good. Well, you will still have to to process the absence of the person because Mm. there will be thoughts that come up that will say, ah, but their physical presence, I enjoyed their physical presence and this is what I'm going to miss. So there'll be elements of the the passing away that will still need to be processed, but it will take far shorter a time. If you have already been in the process of looking at your subconscious mind, forgiving yourself right. for, for what you're holding in denial and trying to bring your emotional body into real time so that it is present with you in the moment, the more you can do that, the less you will have to process whenever something like a death, an unexpected death occurs in your life. Right. And I agree. And I think there's different circumstances. So, of course, I was a bit occupied with my mother's death a few months ago. She was 96, and she was not well. So it was a blessing that she didn't have to go through that suffering anymore. But Mm -hmm. she knew how much I loved her, so it was a passing of peace, if I could put it that way. Mm -hmm. But you're right. If you're in the prime of your life, you have a partner you love, you're just starting your life out together, you're having lots of fun, you've been together eight years or whatever, and they suddenly die in a car accident, Mm-hmm. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. And each circumstance will bring its own grief, anger, and sorrow, depending on not only how sudden, but at what point in your life you're at where you really were looking forward to continuing more of it. But I find with people who are in your life that are very ill, they're just suffering and they, they really shouldn't be around much longer because why should they suffer all that time? That's a whole different circumstance. So it does highly depend on the circumstance. So when you say you have to process, I agree. There are certain circumstances where you have to process a lot more than others. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you would be surprised. You may think that you're spiritually evolved and emotionally present. And when something like this happens, it's amazing how much of a mess you can be. I just recently lost Charlie, my cat. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I loved this cat for the 18 years that he was my companion. Mm-hmm. And there was an unconditional love bonding that was developed between me and Charlie that was extremely surprising. People would often comment on how loving Charlie was in re- in response to anybody that came to him. He was extremely social. And that was simply an aspect of who I was in my relationship with Charlie as my as my pet. And when Charlie died, it was amazing. And the thing of it was, was Charlie was very ill. He was ill for like four to five days and wasn't eating at the end and was wasting. And I eventually recognized I needed to bring him in. And I actually put him down when I actually brought Charlie into the vets. And that was 
that was probably the most difficult thing that I had ever encountered in that I was ha- I was the one that was instrumental in taking his life. Mm-hmm. And yet there was a part of me, Martin and Karen, there was a part of me that during that whole 10 to 15 minutes where I was trying to make the decision, there was a part of me that was so incredibly selfish that was yelling at me saying, but, but you love Charlie. What are you going to do when, when you open the door and he doesn't come rushing out the door? What are you going to do? All of these wonderful things, these wonderful events that I had with Charlie, they were not going to be present anymore. And there was a void that I was fighting and I was so enraged at God for why did God create death in the first place? Everything was going through my thought patterns at that moment. And yet there was also the part of me that was struggling, that was looking at Charlie and going, he's suffering. He can barely even get up at this point. Mm-hmm. And there was a window that I jumped through and said, yes, let's euthanize him. Let's do it. One thing you said that's absolutely true with pets versus people is that your pets love you unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if something goes wrong, it's like five minutes later, it's done with. Yeah. They just come to you and they love you. Yeah. And they I, don't I, judge you. Any time Charlie came to you, he was just purring. Yes. I mean, Charlie just purred around you like there was no tomorrow. And that is a cat sign of absolute comfort and joy. And trust, no matter where I was, he was on his back with his belly to me. Mm-hmm. My, my sisters would come over and visit, and he'd, I'd be in the kitchen cooking, and Charlie would be right in the middle of the kitchen with his belly up, and he'd be purring. Mm. And it was like, oh, my God, don't you? If that's so dangerous. Aren't you going to step on him? He says, no, I'm just aware of where he's at. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? But getting back to the processing of this, when I left the vet that night and I came home to an empty apartment that seemed void of life, it, it was deathly silent. This is when I recognized I was attempting to try to suppress what I was feeling because I was afraid to feel it. Mm-hmm. And then it was at that point that I said, no, I need to get into this. So the following morning when I got up, I immediately called work and said, no, I'm not coming in. I'm taking the day. I need to be with myself here. And that entire day, I went into every emotion that was triggered, no matter how subtle, no matter how volatile it was, I was in the mode of expressing it. And and there would be sometimes when I would in the expression, I would go, oh, my God, I can't believe I, I just said that. That is so unspiritual of me. <laughs> and But the thing of it was, was the emotions were needing to come up. Mm. And I didn't even know that I had these emotions. And yet I know that when I expressed as much as I possibly could, I know that the next day when I went into work, even at that point, when I was expressing those emotions was, I I don't even want to go to work because I know if somebody looks sideways at me, I'm going to burst into tears. Mm -hmm. And yet when I had expressed and expressed and expressed to the point of almost exhaustion on that one day, and then just when I just couldn't express anymore, I just relaxed, drank, drank water and began to just feel and just think and feel and ponder. The following day, when I did go in, it was so unexpected, my sense of balance mm. and acceptance of his passing that what I had expected my emotional reaction would be if others would trigger it, it never happened mm. because I had expressed it the day before. That's because most people keep pushing them down. And exactly. they keep welling up, they keep welling up, they keep welling up. So, of course, for weeks they go through that, but they're not facing it. 
And this is how denial actually works. The more mm. you deny your expression, the more you push it down. And this is where anger can eventually turn into rage because of denial. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, so, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Martin. No, it's all right. Go ahead. I was thinking about this, Ron. Interesting enough, folks, I'd, I'd never met Charlie. Although for many of you have, who have listened to us for quite some time, You've heard Charlie, mm-hmm. and we've often said, oh, there's Charlie. <laughs> and yet, when I learned of Charlie's passing, it moved me, but didn't move me to the point of bring Charlie back. What it moved me to was, thank you, Charlie, for what you've given us. And it's unfortunate, and this could sound really weird, it's unfortunate what Ron is going through right now, but I trust in it. And I trust in the blessings that will come out of it. I know that seems maybe a little naive, but I I believe that Charlie's passing brought me just a little bit closer to that feeling of compassion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just that little bit closer. And for me, and I, as I said, when I went through a lot of those emotional things, they, the, the emotions that were coming up were not one of love and they were of anger and resentment anger. and hatred and rage and all of those things and blame. How dare Charlie leave me? And especially now when, when things are so crazy and it, and I could use his companionship. I mean, there were the ideas and the, the emotions that got triggered were amazing that uh, almost too, too many to even count. And yet it's left me with the feeling of there's a quote from Dr. Seuss, which says, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it hasn't it's happened. Mm. Yes. Yep. And that's so profound, Ron. And I, I think from my perspective, what I, felt when I heard about Charlie and the emotions that I felt, they were real, (laughs) very real and very emotional. And yet I never met the cat. Mm. And for a lot of our listeners, they might think, well, seriously, folks, you're talking about a cat. Well, let me tell you, animals are sentient beings. Animals are just the same as you and I. They might talk a different language, but they still have emotion. Mm-hmm. And we need to honor that. And we need to honor our own emotions. Mm-hmm. And that emotion that they give you, in last week's topic, we were talking about love and the fact that there were four parts to love that were needed for complete love and unconditional love to be birthed. And to be, not to necessarily be birthed, but to be rebirthed because love is essentially who we are. It's right. when we deny ourselves of who we are that that begins the problem. And right now, the, the most necessary attention right now to bring in that sense of depth to our love that we're so missing and recognizing that we don't have is the emotional aspect of our healing. Mm-hmm. Well, your emotional healing with the death of Charlie just brought you into balance in love in your heart. Mm-hmm. I, I'm asking the question, too, I should say. It's, it's my feeling, but I should ask the question. Not that you love Charlie more, but do, does it bring you a depth of love that you may not have understood before? Yes, yes it does. And yeah. that, that quote that I had said earlier from Dr. Seuss, don't mm-hmm. cry because it's over, smile because it happened. If that would have been spoken to me when I was in the process of, of expressing those negative, hurtful feelings. Somebody should have that- that that I would I would have thrown that right back in their yeah. face. Screw yeah. you! Yeah, 
If not, their teeth would have been on the floor. <laughs> That's right. Because Duck, quick, get out of the way. Fact, yeah. The fact is, that first statement, don't cry because it's over. Of course you have to cry because it's over. Of yeah. course you have to honor your feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that sense, that first statement only makes sense once you've actually gone through the processing of right. all those emotions. Once you've yeah. done that and you've come to terms with it, mm-hmm. then you can look at that statement, don't cry because it's over. And that makes sense to me and is not as hurtful as if I had not processed mm-hmm. and I was still charged with those emotions. It's a hindsight statement. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. And the reality is we do need to go through those emotions. Yeah. And you know what? To bury them, to pretend they don't exist, does not allow you the full healing. Mm-hmm. So you need to go through that full gambit of emotions. You are entitled to those. And that's why I was was bringing that up at the beginning of the of our program tonight with regards to the fury of some of these hurricanes. Yeah. It's an expression of what we hold collectively in denial still, which is rage and fury. Yes. yes. Yeah. So in creative. order to dissipate those and to completely balance the grids mm-hmm. on the planet, though they don't produce these imbalanced hurricanes and earthquakes and all of that, then collectively we need to all be engaging in processing our emotions yeah absolutely they are a reflection of our imbalance absolutely yeah now will we continue to get hurricanes Mm -hmm. unfortunately i do believe we will be because there are far too many people who are afraid to look at their emotions fear is what prevents people from truly looking looking at their emotions because ultimately the great the greatest fear of course is always of death Mm-hmm. And sometimes, in, in many cases, especially when it comes to fear, anger, and rage, and fury, those are often linked to the feeling that if we accept these emotions, we're going to die. There is a huge underlying thought there that most people are there's just simply not prepared to be able to deal with it at this time. Mm-hmm. And so, because the energies are coming in so intensely, it's trying to push those higher frequencies through the grids and because of, of our collective blockages in not only in the planet but in ourselves we're all going to be engaging it at one level or another mm-hmm. it's also interesting on the other part of last week on the program talking about love i mentioned we were great at personal love one-to-one one-to-two a friend a spouse whatever mm-hmm. but where's our love for everyone else right and we turn a blind eye to Child labor, starving overseas, the the slaughter of people wholesale by in certain societies. We do not look at it because we're afraid, I believe, that if we do look at it, it will elicit emotional reactions, and we don't want to go there. And yet, if we don't go there and look at them, we will never come from our heart and know how to properly solve it, and that's why we haven't solved it any of these problems to this day is because we silo ourselves into minuscule walls of love and we silo ourselves in by emotions that, that we bury and it's it's fascinating the way we've done that and i can't stress enough that we have to break down those walls we have to open up the emotions on all those levels to truly yes. understand and it doesn't mean that it'll come in that you might feel guilty or you might feel shame that you didn't do anything or I could have done something and it would have saved lives. You can go there if you want. I wouldn't recommend it. 
<laughs> but you still have to free the emotions. And if those things come up, then you have to deal where they're coming from because that's part and parcel of the whole thing. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you have to deal with it because it's the only way we're going to get to solve humanity's problems. The one thing that I'm also seeing is there is a way there is a system to what is actually happening. And is that that is resisting the lesson until it triggers an event. Yeah. And this is what is happening. So when we're seeing these events happening, and especially when it's impacting certain people, those are the very people that are closest to what is needing to be looked at. But just because we're here doesn't necessarily mean that I'm devoid, that I'm not. Right. National Nationalism is not a barrier between when it comes to the world collective. Yes. Mm. Now, when I was looking at Hurricane uh, Harvey, for instance, and I was hearing comments, the anger, the fury, the, the rage that was that this, and I was looking into myself as to where I was being triggered. What could possibly yes. by me? I began to feel rage at, and some people will believe this, some people may not, the fact that some of these hurricanes could very well be being triggered and manipulated because weather manipulation has has been a fact for over 30 to 40 years. Mm-hmm. And there was a report that had come out that indeed they had been cloud seeding on August the 24th, the day before Hurricane Harvey hit and made landfall. So it was questionable as to whether there what the manipulation that was being done here, and it was all clandestine. It was all you know hidden. Mm. But what I was what I'm getting at was this is where my fury and my rage triggered. Mm. How dare these people try to manipulate an event like this and make it stronger so that it serves a hidden agenda that is is counter to the evolution of the human Yeah, I recognized I was very angry at that. And my, I was furious at that. Now, in my attempt at releasing the fury, this is what triggered what was behind the fury, and that was the terror that somehow I betrayed myself, that somehow I gave up my power, that I gave power to the people who are now in power and are abusing that power mm. is a direct result of me not wanting or believing that I could take my power back from them. Right. Let's put it even simpler. Even if they didn't particularly manipulate that hurricane, mm-hmm. Harvey or Irma or Maria, we know and they've shown that as soon as you manipulate weather somewhere, it has yeah. an effect elsewhere. Exactly. And the, the effects that they do to cause rain in one spot can severely cause droughts in another. It's a process, yes. And trying to stop rain in another spot can cause massive storms to develop elsewhere. Our fiddling without knowing the repercussions in weather is one of the most truly foolish things we've ever done. Well, and our fiddling in knowing what the repercussions might be mm-hmm. is even foolish. Even worse, yeah. yeah. Because I'm, and you were right, the, the, the fact that all on the West Coast is in flames. Mm-hmm. It's completely in flames. Where what? is the precipitation that could help pull that off? And yet we're seeing on, on the East Coast – Massive amounts of water. Mm-hmm. So if indeed they are manipulating it, as Martin had said, is it possible that they are taking life-saving rain from the West Coast that could assist in putting out some of these fires and pulling it towards the East Coast for whatever nefarious agenda they could possibly have? Even worse, you know, this is known as the butterfly effect, manipulating weather over Asia or China or Europe could severely affect 
weather we're having here and make hurricanes and droughts and all sorts of things. So when we think in terms of coming from within, mm -hmm. why on earth would we actually support people and or organizations trying to manipulate weather? Weather, mm -hmm. exactly. Well, they because it's a, but it's it's a losing proposition mm -hmm. because Mother Earth is speaking loud and clear. Mm -hmm. And folks, if you have not heard it, I say tuned up the volume because <laughs> well, here, here again, she's but, talking and she he's saying things. And this is where they're completely missing the point with regards to how to evolve the human race and whether or not they want to evolve the human race in the first place. Yeah. The, the, fact of, the fact of the matter is they're trying to manipulate and hammer external reality into their vision yeah. and not realizing that that will never happen, mm -hmm. that you cannot manipulate out the, your outer reality and expect it to fall into alignment when your inner reality is at odds. Exactly. You have to yep. be able to you have to first go inside yourself. Which goes back to our program last week about love. Mm -hmm. And if we actually feel that, if we actually allow that to expand, it's not only to a, another human being, a spouse, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a family member, a pet, it's about all sentient beings. Mm -hmm. And we best be aware of that because we are actually affecting that. And, and the, it's going to have some huge ramifications if we don't wake up soon. And the people that we have put in power are there because we blindly and emphatically refuse to take our power back. Once you start working on the emotional body and you begin to reclaim your power, that power that you've given them is so flimsy. It's as soon as you recognize it, you make a different choice, and that disempowers them completely. It takes them their power completely away from them. It is so simple that in order to resolve the issues that we're having here, all we have to do is resolve them inside ourselves first. Yeah. Right. You know, it's it's fascinating. We've given our power away. There's no doubt about it. To all authorities, whether it's corporate, governmental, religious. Yes. Uh, one way or another, I think virtually 99% of the people on the earth have done that. Mm -hmm. Now, when we look at that, we look at things and go, oh, well, why? Why do those people dislike us? Why do those people hate us? And a simple example I always use is in India at the Bhopal chemical plant accident, except it wasn't much of an accident. They had been saying for over a year that the valves delivering the gas back and forth between the tanks and all those pieces were sorely in need of replacement. Apparently, it was going to cost a few hundred thousand dollars to replace them, and they didn't want to spend the money. But hmm. the valves broke, and thousands of people died from these chemicals, heavy gas chemicals that are poisonous, spreading along the ground and killing people. Right. And when it came to court and they realized that the U.S. company didn't want to spend a few hundred thousand dollars, but they knew what the repercussions were, they just decided to take their chance. Well, when the people found out that that $300,000 was worth more than 6,000 of their family's lives, who else do you think they'd be upset at? Because right. that company was more than happy to say they were an American company and fly the American flag. And I'm not just picking on that as one example, but there isn't virtually an industrialized country on Earth that doesn't do that. Canadians had mining companies in Mexico that did open pit mining that treated the people horribly, no safety standards, hundreds died. 
Oh, and we wonder why the people down there, when they found out about all that and they didn't did like deliberately, us. don't like us. Oh, what a surprise. Yeah. But people are so unaware of what we cause by not taking our power back and letting corporations, governments, and whatnot do what they wish that we have no one to blame but ourselves. And that's where it truly comes down to. You're not a victim when you get attacked. Nope, because, you're accountable. Because you caught Taking your power back isn't going to be an easy thing to do. No. Because we have over and over and over again denied our responsibilities there. Yeah. To the point where, as I've said, a lot of these extremely deeply ingrained fears that we have are all associated with the concept of death. Yeah. And it's our fear of dying, which, which ultimately is the number one motivator where, oh, I'm not going to go there. I'm not, I don't, I'm not prepared to look at that. And so we continue to d deny the emotion, deny it, continue to put it into into suppression, and it just metastasizes. And this is one of the reasons why we're so unconscious these days with regards to what exactly is happening around us. And this, us, yes. the people who are in power want this because mm -hmm. they don't want to lose that power. But they know that if you awaken to yourself and you have the courage to, to start emotionally clearing some of these things, yeah. your recognition, your ability to discern, your knowingness mm. will increase tenfold and you will be able to make better decisions. And this they don't want. They're afraid of you. Exactly. Fascinating about how siloed, as I said, with love and everything people have become. And it is that awareness that brings it out. But. We only narrow ourselves down to a few people or maybe even part of a community, and we don't go much beyond that. It is the root of all our problems. Look at the political discourse in the world between right and left parties mm. and how much they hate each other and rioting and everything else. It is our narrowing and refusal to look at things. And, of course, when you get into a group, any group, right, left, it doesn't matter that says, oh, you're right, because of this, 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 and, oh, yeah, I agree, blah, 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 and you're all together because you're all on the same page, you'll never see any truth, and you'll never be authentic because you're just supporting what you want to support. It's not looking at it in any awareness whatsoever, but people believe they are, and that's part of the problem. <laughs> and your fear uh, of looking at the truth and knowing the truth, they're counting on. And in fact, in some cases, they even use that mm -hmm. in order to continue to manipulate the population. Big time. Oh, we're ranting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're I, guess, I guess if we, if we go free, we're ranters. <laughs> well, in, in one sense, it's good to rant a little bit because, as I said, over the next eight, eight to ten months, we're going to continue to see – because of the levels of energies that are coming in here, whatever is remaining blocked in the in terms of the planetary grids, you're going to begin to see these, what I had said earlier, where the, you can resist the lesson until you meet your match and eventually you produce an event, which, you know, which equals the, the degree of emotion that you're trying to suppress. Mm -hmm. That's the amount of emotion that is behind the trigger. Yeah. And it balances that way. And so we're going to see a lot of that happening because people are too afraid to look at their at what they're holding in denial. No, it's true. Very much afraid. Yes. And look at it. They've had a lifetime to do it. And lifetimes. Been... What, well, what yes, we're, true. What we're seeing on the planet has never been healed in creation in over 950 billion years. It's never been healed, ever, ever, ever. That's one of the main purposes of what is occurring on this planet, is to be able to heal what has never been able to be healed outside 
in the in the universe, and it's all focused here on planet Earth, which is the will planet of creation. What is happening here has just never been healed. You can talk about all of the ancient civilizations from Lemuria to Atlantis to the first and second seedings of the human race 25 million years ago. These events that are still popping up, they have just never been healed. Right. And I know you well, always use the example of there's many layers to the onion and you keep peeling back. Yeah. But no one ever told me the onion was the size of the planet. I um, just <laughs> <laughs> how deep the onion goes. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, guys, hopefully our prior show last week around love, uh, for those listeners who have not heard it, feel free to check it out. That is part of how we need to move forward because we can sit in mull around that victim, victimizer, yep. persona. And yet we all know there is a way out. If For those listeners who haven't heard it, I encourage you to listen to last week's show that kind of gives you a insight into how you move yourself out of that victim, victimizer. Because the reality is, folks, it's not the way we envision perfection. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not perfection, but not the way in which we envision it. But we do have a role to play, mm-hmm. and we all get to play that role. And that huge point there, because there will be people out there who don't believe that we can keep, we can heal ourselves mm-hmm. from this. So why even try? This, I would tell them, is where you have to start yourself yes. with those beliefs of futility. Those are the first ones that you're going to have to deal with. Express what you're feeling with regards to that to find out what is behind it so that you truly look at what is behind it and say, ah, do I truly believe that anymore? Is that really what I'm believing? And then you can change it. But then once you change that idea, the emotional response then needs to evolve. It will take time. And it, it might not work at first. But I feel a murky, it, right? Yes, it, yes. And confusing and doubtful and all. And even those, as I've said, when you're in the process of emotional clearing, no matter what kind of nuance, no matter how insignificant the emotion is that's coming up, honor it. Don't cast it aside and say, oh, that doesn't apply. It all applies. The way to heal right now is express every emotion you have. I would add to that, Ron, honor it. Yes. So I'm expressing my emotion. I'm honoring my emotion, but I want to move past. Yes. You're making your emotion okay. It's okay to have those feelings of horror. I want to kill somebody right now. Mm -hmm. Don't do it, folks. Don't do it. (laughs) But when you're making it okay, you're asking yourself, why am I feeling the way I am feeling? Because without making it okay, this is where discernment comes in. Discernment recognizes the differences. Judgments do not. If you don't make it okay, you're still judging it. And when you still judge something, you will never know what's behind it. No one gets to give you the answers. You can't find this in a book. Mm -hmm. It's not a step-by-step process. Yes. And when I say also, when when you're making it okay, Karen mentioned it, it's not acting out on it because that is the judgment speaking through you. And if you act out on it, you're just reinforcing the judgment. When I'm saying you're making it okay is you're forgiving yourself for having that horrible thought. You're accepting it in order so that you can look behind it and through the acceptance because all of these emotions, they're just wanting acceptance. They just want to be included in your love, not excluded. There's that wonderful old statement. What is it? If not you, then who? Mm-hmm. And if not now, then now, then when? when? Yeah. 
And there's a lot of truth to that. Mm -hmm. Every time you put something off, it just does nothing. All it does is make it linger and last longer, cause you more problems. Exactly. It puts evolution into a stalemate. Stagnates. It stagnates it. It stops evolution in its tracks. It says that from that wonderful phrase in in the Lord of the Rings, thou shalt not pass. Right. When Gandalf is on the bridge, he's looking at that rock monster and he's saying, thou shalt not pass. Mm -hmm. And the thing of it is, is if you look at that statement, was he truly accepting? But then again, when you're faced with something that's trying to kill you, if surviving the event is what you want, you might have to put up a fight. But know that you will lose more than what you've gained. And the fight that you put up is simply the degree to which you resisted it in the first place. I think we've gone through a lot of things we wanted to open up. Yeah. uh, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and as I said, there's going to be a lot more that will come up for everybody, no matter how evolved you might think and how balanced in your emotions you are going to be. Mm-hmm. Whenever an event, a world event occurs, you're still connected to it. Yes. So don't think that you're not a part of it because you're so holy over here. Mm-hmm. That, that it's not. Yes. That, and that it has nothing to do with me. That would be foolish. We're all in unity. Everything affects everything else. It's all interconnected. But the two things that I know one Karen would like, I'll mention the one first, the other one, and that. Have some trust. Have some trust that you will be able to do it and it'll be fine. And put out that intent to heal with that. And the other one is once that begins to happen, of course, and you can put it out in advance, which is even better, is have gratitude and thanks Mm -hmm. that you're aware of it and you're moving through it. Mm -hmm. And the more you start clearing yourself today without an event actually having to trigger you into clearing, the easier it will be when these outer events occur. You'll be far more in a balanced place because you have done the emotional work on yourself, and you'll be that much more useful to those around you who may be reacting in judgment to it and will need your sense of balance. Yeah, you're right. It's easier not in the time of crisis to sit down for an afternoon and think about all those judgments and hate you have against certain people that you believe did things against you during your life. Begin looking at those judgments and begin working through them. It's the easiest time to do it, and it's ones of your choosing. And Mm -hmm. quite frankly, I don't care which ones you choose. If you choose one and work your way through it, it's all good. For me, one of the best things that helps me is watching television programs. There are shows, for instance, that when you watch will trigger you, especially when, for me personally, when I see innocence being victimized. I can rant and rave and just go crazy with the emotional stuff that's coming up. And even though it's not real, it's a television program and it is a make-believe situation, it still presents ideas that can help trigger where you or you yourself might be blocked. Ron, that makes perfect sense, though, because the writers are human. So they are real in some sense of the imagination. And the better the program, the more universal the issues that they have will affect just about everybody. Writers usually put in experiences that they are aware of and have gone through. Oh, exactly. I actually find myself now that, uh, as you guys know, I'm an insomniac. Um, I must say that I've actually moved myself. A, I don't watch news. I do, folks, get the news. I just pick out what I want to see. 
I will not listen to a news feed of trial and tribulations. I don't think that's beneficial, but I am aware of what's going on in the world. And the other thing I, I do is I no longer listen before I go to bed. TV yeah. shows yeah. that are negative. <laughs> I tend to go to. You're laughing, Ron. What are you laughing about? Yeah, but that's a good. That's good advice, is what I'm saying. Because oh. you try to work that out in your dream state is like. Oh, yeah, God. it's it's ugly. I mean, I wake up at three o'clock in the morning. And think, oh, I now. Well, I love different types of shows, and we know there's all kinds out there. There's crime shows. There's horror shows. There's comedy shows. There's mindless shows. Hmm. For me, I've decided that before I go to bed, the only thing I listen to is mindless shows. Or shows on love. Yeah. For me, when I know that I'm going to be leaving my body and journeying in the, in the upper dimensions during the sleep period, I want to send myself off with the highest vibration. Yes. Yes. So that whatever it is that I'm going to encounter, I'll be able to encounter it with the best of who yes. I am. Rather than with a mindset that's stuck on a problem, and then you throw that into the mix, the outcome of that is dubious at best. So for me, I personally want to make sure that when I go to sleep at night, that at least I go to sleep feeling the best possible me that I can be. Exactly. Which is why I actually go to bed with luxurious hopes and lake view. (laughs) Now, before we go any further, we do have a minute left or so. It seems creep up on us every time. You are like parents. the Grim Reaper, Martin. Like, <laughs> That's a little severe, I think. But... <laughs> I do have a Grim Reaper Halloween costume. <laughs> so, yeah. And it is coming up Halloween. So. It is. <laughs> Indeed. Well, it's it is. Away, yeah. So, yes, it is now that time in. And as always, I hope you didn't mind our little free-for-all, folks. And I know some of it was a bit harsh and hard-hitting and bringing things out, but I think that's needed every once in a while. And we would love to hear your comments, so please go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Sovereign Self. We'd love to hear from you. And I do very much love you all. And I appreciate your tuning in, and I do hope you have a fabulous week. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Thanks, folks, for all your love and support. Have an amazing week. Be kind to yourself. Thank you for listening to The Sovereign Self. We will be back with another show that will celebrate the beauty and perseverance of you and your sovereign self. If you would like more information or to send questions to Martin, Karen, or Ron, please go to their Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash Sovereign Self. See you next week.